0: Thank you for listening, but please be advised, I am not a specialist of any kind. Always be skeptical of what you hear on a podcast and use skeptical inquiry methods to determine for yourself what stands up to scrutiny. Also, I swear, not all the time, but when I get excited or passionate, the cusses do come out. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for listening to Living Through Extinction. I'm Ruby Palmer, and this is Episode 17. Situation Here in Hawaii, earlier this evening, the uh, civil defense calling for an evacuation of all low-lying areas because of a tsunami threat. The sky turns black as giant tornadoes touch down from Nebraska to Texas, apocalyptic scenes as twisters tear through the southern plain. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 17. The research topic today is rather brief, but there are other segments I believe will make up for that. I've got a couple sad things to begin this episode with. Grant Imahara has passed away at just 49 years old. He was an electrical engineer and roboticist who worked in both the THX and Industrial Light and Magic divisions at Lucasfilms and who eventually made his way onto television and ultimately into our hearts. The hearts of us nerds, anyway. You will very likely remember him from Mythbusters or The White Rabbit Project, but he has other credits as well, like constructing the robotic sidekick for The Late Late Show, acting in a Star Trek web series, or appearing in Sharknado 3. He was even named as an author on the Disney research paper Stickman, which he got to work on for Walt Disney Imagineering. His enthusiasm was a joy to watch, and it's my understanding that his co-hosts considered him to be a brilliant individual. All of his projects sound totally fascinating to a nerd like me. My condolences go out to his friends and family. And fans. Granty Mahara, thank you. Thank you for making engineering science fun and fascinating for so many of us. I genuinely hope your family can feel how much you were loved. Another sad story I came across recently is a recent extinction. We have lost the wacky looking smooth handfish, the very first modern day marine fish to be declared extinct. The handfish was a bottom dweller related to deep sea anglers. And like anglers, it had such a cool, unique and strange look please Google it now. Though I'm going to try to remember to post a picture, maybe a link to a picture something like that after the show goes up today. Very cool, very freaky. They were apparently so common in the Australia area that it would likely be the first fish you came across when there. It's my understanding that they were particularly vulnerable to climate change issues because they do not have a larval phase and do not move around very much as adults, making them very sensitive to changes in the environment. Goodbye, you cool-looking, freaky little fish. I would have loved to see one of you in person someday. I guess that will never happen now. Poor little hand fish. We had an episode early on about topsoil erosion and its possible effects on food production. I recently came across a great read at smithsonianmag.com that I highly recommend. The article is titled, Saving Our Planet Starts in the Soil. Again, that's at smithsonian.com, but I will try to remember to include a direct link to this one in the show notes or on social media. If you haven't heard the episode on topsoil erosion, it is from when Jason was still on the show, episode seven. Go check it out. Be skeptical, damn it. There are some great books and articles out there about spotting fake media. The book Flim Flam by James Randi was published in 1980 and is a must-read for any blossoming skeptic. BBC.com has a nice selection of articles and videos on the topic to dive into. One video makes just four main points, but they are valid. One, is there a story? What are they trying to say? Is it an ad or a joke? Has the same story been covered elsewhere? Two, is an author shown? Is it someone's opinion or an observed fact? Is there a link to the writer's details? Three, is it a trusted website? Are there spelling errors or grammar mistakes? Is the URL unusual in some way? And four, when is the story from? Is it new or old? Is there better information available now than there was when it was first posted? Another find on BBC and skepticism is their fake news glossary. They list 10 words we should all know, and what they mean to identifying fake media. Without going into full detail on each one, the glossary contains the following words. bias. One of the first lessons in skepticism is to identify your own biases. But identifying biases in articles, videos, and papers is just as important. I personally find it easier to pick out my own biases than to properly identify them elsewhere. So I had to focus on that pretty hard for a few years. Some people are the opposite of me, and they find it easier to pick out biases outside of themselves than identify them in their own words and actions. We all have different areas we need to work on. Context. Context can change one's view on something completely. Context is important. Clickbait. We all know what that is, right? Headlines that likely have nothing to do with anything you will see when you click or misleading headlines that make it sound like an article is going to say one thing, but when you read it, says something else completely. The goal is to get you to share without reading, and dumbasses do so regularly. Disinformation and misinformation are both types of fake media, but in different ways. While disinformation is a deliberate misleading with the use of media known to be untrue, Misinformation covers anything that is false, misleading, or out of context, but not necessarily purposefully so. Opinion. Opinions are feelings, and feelings have no relation to facts. If you find that statement controversial, you are definitely not a skeptic. Parody and satire. I'm fairly confident we all know and understand this one. Reliability. What's the reputation of the media provider? Source, where is the starting piece the poster claims to get their story from? And verification, a simple example of verification. There was a documentary, scare quotes, I know you can't see them, about the 911 conspiracy theories where a man in a chair at a desk said very confidently, a physicist would tell you this is impossible. I believe it was the SGU who followed that up by asking physicists, Who would have thought? Ask physicists, all the ones you can find. Is that really impossible? And guess what? No physicist says that. Some guy on some show just said that a physicist would say that to make himself sound more believable. The sad thing is that it worked. Come on people, let's do better. Be skeptical, damn it. A quick environmental news segment today. Science Daily Science News article about the extreme warming of the South Pole from June 30th. Their source is Ohio University and the details of the studies are published in the journal Nature Climate Change. What we know is that the South Pole has been warming at more than three times the global average for more than 30 years. How we know is that data from a weather station at the South Pole was analyzed. The results show that between 1989 and 2018, the South Pole warmed by 1.8 degrees Celsius, or about 0.6 degrees per decade, which exceeds the global average by three times. The causes stated are a combination of things. While global warming is considered a factor, its combination with warm ocean temperatures in the western tropical Pacific Ocean is what appears to be making the warming rate so much higher there than elsewhere. This week, I looked into the dark side of the whole blue bin system. Some of the things I wondered about. Did the blue bins actually make things better, or could they maybe have made things worse? Could they have been bad for recycling in the long run? Let's take a quick look at some random issues first. Blue bins are about something called Single-stream recycling, where paper, aluminum, plastic, and glass can all be tossed together in one bin. More on the problems that have arisen from this in a bit. The bins themselves are made of plastic and will be around forever in one form or another. Blue Box plans come with a fleet of trucks. For example, when Calgary, Alberta first put its plan into effect, it started out with 60 new diesel-burning rigs. The bins make most people feel like they are doing something when they may not be. I'll be expanding on that as I proceed today. In reality, increased collection of recyclables does not necessarily mean increased recycling. Single stream materials are unfortunately generally dirtier and contain less usable content than collected materials that have to be separated before being picked up. For example, National Fibre, a company that creates cellulose insulation from newsprint, phone books and tax forms, will not take paper from single stream recycling programs. And they are not the only ones. In fact, the Container Recycling Institute says that for every 100 tonnes of single stream recycling collected, about 75 tonnes will be made into new products and a whopping 25 tonnes goes to landfills or incinerators. Yes, it's easier for us. But easier does not equal better in this case. Next, I'd like to go over some household materials that are most likely to end up in your blue bins. The truth is, these materials tend to have a very small or even negative impact on the environment when recycled. Recycling metal is currently the best option for the environment because of the damage put out by its production. Recycling metal saves unlimited resources but it unfortunately only makes up about 2% of all solid waste by weight. Glass makes up 3-5% of solid waste. But apparently there isn't actually much use for it. Using Calgary as an example again, when they went to the blue bin system in 2009, all the glass collected under the new program ended up at the East Calgary landfill. It was awaiting a buyer, but there was zero demand for it. You see, sand is super cheap so it's often cheaper to make glass than to recycle it which is why calgary and other canadian cities are ending up with huge stockpiles glass has it the worst in a single stream system because it shatters upon collection and much of it ends up falling through the sorting system into a mountain of dirty confetti containing broken glass bottle caps and shreds of paper another common recyclable from our homes is plastic Germany had a similar financial issue with plastic as Canada did with glass. As of 2009, they had millions of tons of recyclable plastics in rural fields, basically above-ground plastic dumps. Their main problem was that they could only sell it for a few dollars per ton, and that's when they could sell it at all. Plastic bags caused the same issue in San Francisco's Department of Waste. While they paid $4,000 a ton To recycle the bags, they were only able to sell them for $32 per ton. Nobody wants it. There is no value. So what other issues could there be? Other than the worthlessness of the products and the necessary financial losses involved in recycling, there is the CO2 emitted by the process. There was a study in 2000 by London-based environmental group Friends of the Earth. They found that collecting waste for recycling emitted 264 more pounds of CO2 than burying it in a landfill. 2002 saw two of Sweden's leading environmental authorities arguing that recycling's benefits were usually undone by the resources required to collect and process it. I am not trying to discourage you from recycling. It may sound like it, but I still strongly believe it has to be done. I'm just pointing out that we need to find better ways, and single stream has been tested and does not do the trick. I know we can get there, but we are not there yet. So how do we get there? What can we do? If single stream is all you have access to, the best way to make sure the most is gotten out of it is to keep it clean. One dirty, unrinsed item can contaminate a whole lot. What we really need is more biodegradable packaging and less plastic overall. The blue bins did not solve the problem. In some cases it just moved the problem around and in other cases they may have even increased the problem. Also, I don't know the logistics of this. But wouldn't it be better, both financially and environmentally, if we recycled the items in the same cities where they were collected rather than trying to sell them overseas? One last possible solution I looked into a bit were waste energy incinerators. Britain was building 50 of them as of 2005. Denmark's Environmental Protection Agency made the recommendation to move part of recycling to incinerators. It is also used in Russia, Japan, and Europe. Patrick Moore, chairman of the Vancouver environmental communications firm Green Spirit Strategies, said of recycling. Quote, wherever there's diminishing returns, that's where we should be converting waste to energy. Unquote. Ultimately, instead of an all-in-one blue bin, it's recommended we have people bundle their paper, cardboard, and aluminum, and put it out beside their regular garbage. It's a little bit more work for us, but again, easier, it's just not always better. My closing segment continues to be called, Something to Smile About because my creativity continues to fail me. Blue bees are back! I love animals, that seem strange to me, and when I first heard about blue bees, I mourned the missed opportunity to someday see one. But surprise, I may get to see one someday after all. They've been spotted again in Florida. Google pics if you can. Blue bees are beautiful. The scientific name is Osmia Lignaria, but you would probably be more familiar with the names such as Orchid Mason Bee or Blue Orchid Bee. Learning about the comeback of that beautiful blue bee did put a smile on my face today, so maybe it did for someone else too. With all of that out of the way, I wish you all well. May your health and sanity be replenished daily in these mad times. Please join me in two weeks for episode 18 of Living Through Extinction. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or corrections, please email livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. About 100 homes. The governor of Missouri declared a state of emergency. Very serious situation here in Hawaii. Earlier this evening, the uh, civil defense calling for an evacuation of all low-lying areas because of a tsunami threat. The sky turns oil. black as giant tornadoes, tornadoes touch down. From Nebraska to Texas, apocalyptic scenes as twisters tear through the southern plains. plains.